live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Let me tell you about my drive-in. My drive-in this morning, a little gloomy this morning. A little gloomy in the sense that all those majestic purple and gold car flags that so proudly were flapping in the wind yesterday all across L.A. and Orange County were nowhere to be found this morning. Not one. I didn't see one. They were nowhere to be found, kind of like the Lakers themselves last night. Nowhere to be found. For the second night in a row, we were treated to a nice, swift, ass-kicking in the association. And for the second night in a row, that nice, swift ass-kicking was a major statement. Statement being, the Dubs are nowhere near done. Clearly, they've got every bit of that competitive fire and that desire, that grit still, that had them stacking those four Larios in the first place. Clearly, the Dubs are still that team. Still that team that can switch up and adjust on the fly better than anybody else. Case in point, Jamichael Green. Remember him? Did you even know about him? He starts in place of Kevon Looney, who was sick last night. And he turned that spot start into a monster start. LeBron even said after the game, quote, those 12 minutes felt like 24 minutes, 30 minutes. You know, as absurd as that sounds, he's actually right in this case. Well, almost right. It was actually 13 minutes. So he's right to say the 13 felt like 30. In the end... 15 points for Jermichael Green in those 13 minutes in that spot start. A spot start that he only found out about around two hours before tip. Hey, you tell me, when you were watching that pregame show and you heard that Kevon Looney was sick and you would hit the Golden State Warriors or you were a Golden State Warrior fan, how hard were you tripping? Knowing that they already had their backs to the wall and that they weren't going to have Looney, at least not for any significant amount of time. Anyway, you find out he's not right, and then you get Jamichael, and every bucket that this guy scores matters. Never mind that he didn't score a single bucket in the King series. Not one. He lights the Lakers up in a huge way in game two. How do I put that? You love to see it. But even better than his 15 (laughs) points in 13 minutes was the fact that Looney somehow did manage to get himself out there and out-rebound everybody on the Lakers, even though he came off the bench, and even though he only played 12 minutes, and even though in those 12 minutes he played, he was sick as hell. And yet he still out-rebounds every single Laker? How does that happen? Everybody on the dubs stepped up last night, but nobody more so than the legend, Clay Thompson. Clay was freaking on one. 30 points, 8 of 11 from beyond the arc, 8 of 11. Dude was liquid magma. Not only does he still have it, not only can he still find another level, and especially when they need it most, that other level is still straight up terrifying. When he's in a zone and he's letting it fly like that and he's feeling it, the guy's essentially unstoppable still. 
So the Lakers should look the hell out because not only does he still have that in him, he's coming back to SoCal. You know what that means, too. If Clay is coming home, if Clay is returning to SoCal, Clay is returning to reunite with his beloved ocean. Well, if the weather is better, it's not so June gloomy. I'd love to go jump in, uh, hopefully go down to Manhattan Beach or something and jump in by the pier. There's something just about getting in the Pacific Ocean and body surfing that just resets your whole uh, mental and your spiritual being. And I'm a true believer in the powers of the ocean and all her healing properties. Preach. Preach, preach. I love that so much. And that is far from the first time we've heard that from Clay. Preach. He said, I hope the weather's better. My man, it's not. It's not, but it doesn't matter. We've seen the effects of the ocean on that guy. We saw him last night before. So when he comes back home and he gets down here and he jumps into the ocean because it resets him. He said that a million times. It heals him. He has said that a million times. I mean, they all got their own thing, right? Steph is all about the golf course. Steph finds that on the golf course. Clay finds that in the ocean. I love that about that guy. And don't act like it doesn't work. Laker fan, I'd be really worried about that. This dude. I mean, this dude. Seriously, who else is like this dude? Who else has been on a journey like this dude? I can't get over that this dude is still this dude. I can't get over that this guy can still kick it into this crazy gear. That this dude can still compete at the highest level and dominate at the highest level. That after everything he's been through, he's still that guy. He's still him. And like the easiest dude to pull for ever. Ever. Unless apparently you're his old man. Unless you're his old man, former Laker, Michael Thompson. In which case, you're actually rooting against your own kid. The quote I noticed was he said his dad was going to cheer for the Lakers, which is, okay. I mean, come on, man. Isn't blood <laughs> thicker than water? Like, I can't imagine cheering against my child. So that's not happening for in our family. But uh, apparently, in Clay's family, dad's going to root for the Lakers. So that gives Clay a little extra motivation. Love that. That is awesome. That is so good. I love it. I love it. Steve Kerr's like, come on, man. I would never root against my kid. But apparently they do in that family, and that's going to give Clay even more fuel. Listen, on the one hand, I'm going to try and make an argument for the old man. I'm going to try. I don't think I can, but I'm going to try. Look, I mean, on the one hand, the man was a Laker, and he still works on the Laker radio broadcasts. But then again, Mike, I mean, damn. You're picking a paycheck over blood? Money over fam? Paycheck over blood. Money over fam. However, then again, business is business. I learned that from a very early age because I grew up in a family business. I heard that every single night at the dinner table almost my entire childhood because my mother and father owned a small business. Business is business. Business is business. Hell, my old man fired me from the family business because business is business. All right, that's fine. All right, Mike, I get it. Just understand it works both ways. 
So don't be bent or surprised when your kid stabs you in the heart. Business is business. You're rooting for the Lakers. Don't be surprised when your kid stomps on your head and stabs you in the heart. As for the Lakers, why don't we talk about them for a minute? The hell happened. The hell happened last night. How does that happen? Yeah, I understand that when the Lakers lose, generally they do get blown out. That's not unusual. We see that a lot from that team. But that's more of a regular season thing, right? Because every single thing they've done since training camp was pointed to this very moment. They made all the right moves at the deadline. They're so much better for it. And at age 38, you know LeBron's been waiting on this. He knew. You saw him last night in the first half. So everything is geared up to this. So what happens? They go into the Dubs' house. They rip game one. They know that if they do them again, and Golden State falls behind two games to none with two home losses, this series is already over. Then Looney gets sick, and LeBron goes off for 21 in the first half, and they still get blown the hell out? How is that even possible? How the hell do you get 21 in the first half from LeBron, and yet he's sitting out the entire fourth quarter? How the hell do you get 21 from LaFib in the first half and still get run out of the gym by 27? How? How does that happen? I'll tell you how. By having nearly every other Laker no-show. That's how. Starting with the ultimate give me an A or F dude, Anthony Street Clothes Davis. Anthony Street Clothes Davis. Like I tweeted last night. Must have been a load management game for SCAD. In fact, that's letting that guy off easy. That's letting that guy skate. Because if he is the ultimate, give me an A or give me an F dude, he was an A plus in game one and an F minus last night. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper or What's Your Beef. It's almost like SCAD came out and saw that Draymond Green had come out with a completely different level of aggression. And AG, AD just decided, you know what? We got our split. I'm good. I really don't feel like dealing with Draymond tonight. Draymond's bringing a certain energy and intensity to it that I'm just not feeling. I'm not into it. Hey, listen, I don't know if that's what happened. But I know this. 
Dude straight vanished last night. From one of the three or four best players in the world to invisible in just 48 hours. That's not easy to do unless you're SCAD. Only SCAD can do that. And he does it all the time. That's what makes him SCAD. Would it surprise anybody at all then if this guy were to show up in L.A. and go 25-25 and in Game 3? Not at all. And when he does do that, don't be looking at me for an apology. Don't be looking to anybody for an apology, SCAD. When you owe everyone an apology yourself for no showing last night, starting with your teammates. If you had told me that when that loony news dropped in the pregame that we would get an entire fourth quarter of garbage time, I would have told you to get that crap out of here. But that's exactly what happened. And that's what that was. Crap. An entire fourth quarter of crap. An entire fourth quarter of garbage time. Crap. That garbage time was so trash and so boring and so painful that we actually had to hear about Jeff Van Gundy's childhood nickname during the broadcast. That's how garbagey the fourth quarter was. This guy is JVG. He told me his nickname. No, from my dad when I was like five or six and you're making fun. You can't make fun of my 87-year-old dad. Please tell the world your, your nickname. Jeff Marino hot dog buddy. That's it. Come on, baby. Jeff Marino hot dog buddy. That's it. Jeff Come Marino, on, hot dog baby. Buddy. That's it. Come on, baby. Baby, that is painful. That is cringy, baby. But you know, it's not even the booth's fault. The booth showed up to call a basketball game. It's just that the Lakers didn't show up other than LeBron to play a basketball game. One that I promise you, if the Lakers gave them anything at all to work with, we would have never found out about Jefferino Hot Dog Buddy. Jefferino Hot Dog Buddy, that's it. And now it makes me wonder, what about Stanley? What was his nickname? Jefferino Hot Dog Buddy. Stanarino Corndog Boy? I mean, come on. If you're still cringing right now, don't blame anybody except for the Lakers. That's not even Jefferino Hot Jeff Dog Reno Buddy's Hot fault. Dog Buddy, that's it. But even Jefferino Hot Dog Buddy is better than Mark Jackson telling Steve Kerr to get his starters off the floor or Mark Jackson telling Steve Kerr anything at all. Because you're the reason, Jax, that Kerr is in there in the first place. L.A. no-shows in Game 2. The Dubs show up, show out, they make a statement, and the statement is, not dead, can't quit. Not dead, can't quit. Never mind making adjustments, Darwin. Darwin, maybe you should concentrate on that perimeter defense of yours. How do you let Clay go off like that? How do you not get a hand in this guy's face? Darv also took some during the broadcast. Hot Dog Buddy had some for Darwin. Played in Spain, the Philippines, Puerto Rico. He's been all over the world. And he just loves the game and has done a terrific job with this team. Former teammate of mine, great guy who once broke a backboard. And glad he's got the opportunity. He's done an outstanding job. With was, his dunking or his shooting? 
Shots fired with a Duncan, man. Okay, I'm just a Haskin. Oh, Jefferino hot dog buddy went there. Actually, Jefferino hot dog buddy. That was a good one. I got to give you that. That was strong. Jax is talking about Darvin Ham famously bringing down that backboard, which is pretty awesome. It was awesome. He's like, what, with a dunk or his shooting? With his dunking oh, or his shooting? Oh, Jefferino hot dog buddy. No, you didn't. Good one, hot dog. Hey, I'll tell you not to mess with the ham, but I know the clones will shortly. The clones have lots of takes on ham. Not Darvin Ham, just Ham. And none of them are funny. The clones' takes on oh, Ham baby. make Jefferino Hot Dog Buddy sound funny. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Man, you know it's a blowout. You know it's an ass blowout in the fourth quarter when that type of thing's coming up on the broadcast. U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast. Right now, you can get one line with unlimited data for just $29.99. So, unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price. Get one line for $29.99 with unlimited data today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. He is everywhere. He is Jamal Crawford. Jamal, it is so good to have you back. How are you? Thank you, Legend. I'm good. How are you? Good, good, Jay Crossover. Great to have you. Hey, let me start with the Warriors. Not surprisingly, Jamal, they had their backs to the wall in a must-win situation. They come up huge. They run the Lakers out the gym. What is your reaction to the Warriors' reaction to that game one loss? I thought this was great. I, I thought they made two major adjustments. Obviously, uh, Kavon wasn't feeling great. Uh, he was a little bit sick, but that allowed them to play smaller. When they play smaller, they play faster. And then the second thing was putting the ball in Steph Curry's hands right from the beginning. Putting him in his, his point guard position that he played early in his career, I think it's harder to double-team him. He, he made all the right reads. He's not playing with any agenda except winning. He's picking them apart right now, and it always helps when guys are making shots. I was going to say, Jamal, what about Steph Curry? Like, he is so unselfish and so selfless, making the right basketball play. Like, yeah, he loves to shoot the ball, but doesn't need to shoot the ball. What's that say about him as a leader and a winner? Oh, it says everything about him. Most guys, Steph Curry's one of the only guys in history who have reached that level of superstardom. But when he goes to it, plays with different guys, he doesn't disrupt flow. Most guys, you know, they take the ball. Everybody has to play around them. He can play on the ball, off the ball. He's, he's an offense with himself, within the movement. And I think that's one of the things that makes him special. But his character, as you speak to, is what really separates him from the rest. Jamal Crawford joining us, speaking of character, seeing Clay Thompson go for 30 and 31 minutes, I couldn't help but think, given everything this guy's gone through, it is incredible that that guy is still that guy. What did you think watching him last night? It was unbelievable. That was, that was in true Clay fashion. The bigger the moment, the bigger the shot, the better he is. He'll take a shot and make it, and he gives his teammates a like, ooh, you made that one, Clay? Oh, we're ready to go. So he's that guy. He does it for him time and time and time again. And when he's making shots like that, it just gives him a different spirit. The crowd's involved. He's involved. He's locking up on defense. But his spirit, when he's rolling like that, is fun to watch. Jamal Crawford joining us. So, Jamal, what about Anthony Davis? In game one, he was the best player on the floor by far. He proved once again that when he's right, he is truly elite. I mean, one of the best players in the world. But then he looked nothing like that guy last night. How much of that is about the adjustments the Warriors made? And then, frankly, how much of that is about A.D. himself? 
I think it's more about AD than anything else, to be honest with you, because we've seen it over the course of the season. He has a monster game where he reminds people, oh, man, I'm a top-five talent in this league, and then he comes back and follows it up with a game where he's not as present, he's not as engaged, not as involved. And you could tell right from the start it wasn't going to be the repeat game, and maybe it didn't have to be, but just his presence alone when he's engaged separates the Lakers. Last night, LeBron, you know, carried them in the first half. I expect AD to carry him in the second half, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, how do you explain that, Jamal? Like, you're a guy that played 20 years in the league, the ultimate pro. I'm not saying that he's not a pro, but how do you explain that guy just not being with it in a game that important? I mean, after all, LeBron came out and put 21 on them in the first half. He knew. Why does AD have nights like that? I don't understand. And I've said for a while, I think what needs to happen is maybe LeBron takes a page out of what, Wade did for him in Miami and come out publicly and say it over and over if it needs to be said. AD is the guy. We'll go as far as he takes us. I mean, that may free AD mentally, but last night I thought AD in particular adjusted before the adjustment came. I think he went to it like, oh, they're going to double-team me. They're going to do this. And he may have got his head a little bit because it wasn't the same player with that same force on either end of the court. Right. Jamal Crawford joining us. So as bad as last night was, the Lakers still get their split. They head back to L.A. How do you see the rest of this series playing out? Well, I see, it, I see it going seven, to be honest with you. I could see the Warriors coming out on top, but I see it going seven. They're evenly matched in the, in the regard that they both have their advantages. Obviously, the three ball and the power of shooting is on the Warriors' side, but inside and playing bigger is on the Lakers' side. Who can impose whose will better? You know, we know the Lakers, that was the blueprint for them in game one. They, they got inside the paint. They made a lot of twos. They made a lot of contested shots, but they also just pounded the ball to A.D., on the Warriors' side, they made the adjustment by putting the ball in Steph's hand, and they made their shots they missed the first night. They didn't get a lot of free throws the first night. They were more aggressive in that regard. And I think Draymond, with him having that responsibility on ball, knowing I have to guard AD as, as strong as possible because that's going to be the difference. And you know, if I can hold him down or contain him, it keeps him engaged and keeps him focused as well. Jamal Crawford is joining us. All right, Jamal, let me ask you about Milwaukee really quickly because they were stunned in the first round by the Bucs. You knew somebody was going to pay. Did you think it was going to be Mike Budenholzer who had led them to the best record in the regular season and a world championship previously? What's your reaction to that news? Yeah, sometimes your success and how high you set the bar could be your own worst enemy. Coach of the year, champion, uh, most wins in the season, but then they lose in the first round. You know, I think the, the disappointment of that was kind of a knee-jerk reaction. I'm not sure I would have fired him immediately like that. But I would have let him know, hey, we got to change some things and this can't happen again. But you would think a guy who's been so successful with that group would have the leeway to say, you know what, it didn't work out in our favor this time. We'll be better next time. But that's not what they did. I appreciate those thoughts. I agree with you, actually. Jamal Crawford joining us. I do agree with that. Let me ask you about Dylan Brooks for a minute. I bring this up because he was not re-signed by the Grizz, but some, including J.J. Redick, who I hold in really high regard, said that the team went out of its way to single him out after that playoff loss. In effect, he's saying, hey, they scapegoated this cat. They scapegoated him. Where do you come out on that argument and on Brooks himself? There's no doubt they scapegoated him. Without a doubt, they scapegoated him. You don't come out. Uh, you know, a few days after you're eliminated and say, hey, this guy will not be resigned by any circumstance. You're basically saying we have a great group. He ruined it. He was not a part of it. He held us back. And without him, we'll be better. So they scapegoated him. And then the part on Dylan's side, he embraced the villain role. I love it. But you can't embrace the villain role. And then when it doesn't go well, you try to de-embrace the, the villain role. Like he had a chance to make a, a boatload of money because teams would say, you know what, we need that villain on our team. He can make the culture better. He can guard and be irritant to the best players in the league. He had the stage. He didn't step up. And the, the part I didn't really like was 
not talking to the media afterwards. You, you embraced the villain role. It didn't work out in your favor. Own it so we could all have more respect for what you're trying to do. <laughs> right, Jamal. I mean, I loved it when he went villain. I really did. But to your point, if you're going to be that villain, you've got to back it up. But whatever you do, don't say that we created the villain. We in the media and the fans did not create the villain. He did that himself. No, not at all. You have to own it, Jim. Like, that's the thing that we respect. We respect villains, but own the villain role. And if you respect it and, and own it, we'll embrace it, we'll, everybody's not going to agree with you. But at least we'll say, you know what, that guy owned it. He left it on the court. It didn't work out in his favor, but you know what, he's tough. And it, it didn't go that way for him. 100%. Jamal Crawford joins me for a few more moments. So we got a pair of Game 3s tonight. The Celtics pounded the Sixers in Game 2. And again, they look like the ones. You know, this, I don't want to overreact game to game, but they looked awesome. Joel is not 100%. Jamal, we know this. How do you think the rest of that series plays out as it shifts back to Philly? I think the Celtics actually uh, get the win. I like the Celtics when Tatum has 30, Brown has 30, and everybody else fills in. I don't like when Tatum has close to 40, Brown has 20, and then they're trying to fill the spots. I, I think Brown brings a different element. He brings a maturity as well, even though he's so young on that team. And then on the other side, if Joel did not play the second game, I thought Harden would have went off again, and here's why. Harden has been the point guard, not only role, but the point guard mindset for the last couple of seasons. I thought what the Celtics did by allowing him to get loose was free him of that and say, oh, I can still score. Oh, I can go do this. And that's when he's at his best, obviously. But somehow with Joel, the MVP back, congrats to him for that. You have to have a balance. I don't need, you know, 20-point, 12-assist James Harden. I may need 30-point. Eight assists, James Harden, for these series because they're going to need scoring to support Joel. So having said that, Jamal, do you think that it was a mistake for them to play Joel in game two? Because Joel was saying, hey, listen, I got to go. I got to go. I got to get in my rhythm. If you make me wait until game three, I'm going to have so much more rust to knock off. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but do you think it was a mistake to play him in game two? No, I don't think it was a mistake. I think it would only have been a mistake is if he got hurt again or right. had a setback. As long as he didn't have a setback, he's right. There's going to be rust. As the series closes, you want to be closer to yourself and get that knocked out the way. You know, you, get, you did your job. You got the split. Now you just have to go home and protect home court. So I see his thinking on it. As long as he didn't get injured again or have a setback, I think it was okay. Covering a lot of ground with Jamal Crawford really quickly. I know you like the Suns going into their series with Denver. Chris Paul, though, is now sidelined. Their depth is an issue. Do you see the Suns fighting their way out of this 2-0 deficit? I do, but, Jim, their depth is an issue because they're making it an issue. Can we play T.J. Warren and Terrence Ross? Can we get these guys some buckets? I mean, we can't have four points off the bench and expect to be the loaded Denver team. You, you have your stars supported with supporting guys who can get six to eight and a quarter. I'm not saying they're the best defensively, but you've got to give a chance. And then I think also you have to give Booker and, and Durant more misdirection stuff before you give them the ball. You don't want to go one-on-one every single time down the court. That's tough for anybody, especially in the playoffs. So if you can just give them some support with misdirection, let them finish the play, I think the whole offense will be better off for it. Okay, so they're not dead yet. Finally, Jamal, what about game three? Knicks, Heat, not until tomorrow. So Jimmy Butler gets another day to try and rest and rehab that ankle injury. As a former Nick, you know, maybe it might pain you to lean towards the Heat, but what do you think of the return of playoff, Jimmy, even at less than 100%? Is that enough to give Miami the edge in this series going forward? How does that play out? I think it is. Jimmy, for me, was the, for the MVP in the first round. He was unbelievable in the first round. And he can continue to be that even when he's out there because he plays so smart. Jimmy's always playing off of two feet. If you play off of two feet a lot, you always see things clear because you're not in a rush. You're under control. You're controlling every single possession. And he has shot makers around him. So even if he's not scoring at the clip he was before, if he can get those guys easier shots, if he can demand those double teams, 
if he can still guard. And that's another thing he does well. And another reason Brunson was able to get loose in that second game because he saw Jimmy in that first game. He was like, ah, somebody else take it. But now Jimmy's going to be back. And I think Miami has the edge in game three. But the Knicks, they're tough. They're resilient. So this could go seven as well. Like I said, 100% class every single time, all day long. 20 years in the NBA, Jamal Crawford breaking it all down. Jamal, appreciate you so much. Great to have you back on, and I always look forward to it. Thank you very much for doing that. Thank you, Legend. Anytime. I appreciate you. My man, I appreciate you so much. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. Car flag nation. Listen, the one thing I don't want to do is keep piling on because then I have to listen to how I'm warrior Jim. So I don't want to keep piling on after last night's utter beatdown and complete no show by essentially everybody not named LaCap. But how do we not talk about this even a day later? When I heard this, I meant to get to it yesterday, but. I have to get to it now. Now, when I first heard what I'm about to talk about, I thought to myself, consider the sources. (laughs) There's no way this is true. Consider who's saying it. Consider the sources. But then I considered the sources and decided that as absurd as it is, it probably is true. Considering the sources. I'm talking about Pat Beverly saying on his podcast that both he and Russell Westbrook want rings if the Lakers do somehow bring home the Larry O. Hey, Pat, Lakers win. I want my ring. <laughs> right? I ain't going to lie, Russ. Boy, we're going to be suited and booted, boy. I'm going to be right there waiting on that ring. I mean, dude, you're kidding, right? You're trolling us, right? You don't mean that, right? Did I hear that correctly? West Brick and Pat Bev both want rings if the Lakers win it all. I mean, y'all are clowning, right? Hey, Pat, Lakers win. I want my ring. (laughs) Right? I ain't going to lie, Russ. Boy, we going to be suited and booted, boy. I'm going to be right there waiting on that ring. Like, I know you're clowning. I know you're trolling us. There's no way even you two would say something like that or believe something like that. I mean, that can't be real. The audio has to be doctored. There has to be some AI in there. And I know Pat Bev is going to be Pat Bev. But that right there has got to make him either the biggest troll and comedian ever or the possessor of the most ridiculous take ever. Maybe it's both. I mean, he's out of his mind in thinking that, but I'll give Pat Bev this. This is why I've always loved this guy. He's content gold. He's always been content gold. I will always love this guy for things like that. And that takes his game up even another notch. We want our rings. We'll be suited and booted to get our rings. Hey, one question, my dude. Pat, how often do you break out that championship ring that you won with Golden State last year? Because you deserve to have one of those rings about as much as you deserve to have a Laker ring in the event they can even run the table this year. And they probably can't. 
But again, this is a different dude whose mind works in different ways. If he even meant that. If he meant that. But remember, this is the same dude that said the Lakers were using him as a fork, even though he's actually a spoon. The hell does that even mean, Pat? I've got no idea. But just do me a favor. Never, ever change. And I know you won't. As for Russ, how did he think that we were all going to react to Russ, to Westbrook saying that? And yeah, maybe in his defense, when he said that to Pat Bev, he didn't expect Beverly to turn around and blast it on his podcast for everybody to hear. Except we all heard it. Oops! Now we have it. Russ being the one to come to Pat and say, if L.A. gets the job done, then he wants his ring, is one of the best things ever, honestly. His ring? Westbrook's ring. He wants his ring. Your ring. Westbrook. I don't know if you know this, but the only reason the Lakers even have a chance at that title is because you're not on the roster anymore. It's because you and Pat Bev are no longer sinking the purple and gold Titanic to the bottom of the ocean. That's why. Another thing, Russ, no way in hell the fiery ass stomp on your neck competitor in you wants to win a ring that way. I mean, come on, dude. You're, you're above that. You're better than that. Come on. You're better than that. At least I thought you were. Tell me these dudes have nothing better to do right now because they have nothing better to do right now. They're not playing. Tell me they've got nothing better to do than troll the hell out of the rest of us and they're laughing their asses off that they hooked us and it worked. Tell me that's what that is. That you got us to talk about you when you were nowhere near the floor. You got us to talk about you when you were nowhere near playing in a game that mattered. Because if you really do mean that, It's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. Even for you, dub brick. And maybe you do actually have a point. I don't know. Maybe. Think about it. If it wasn't for you, then D'Lo and Vanderbilt would not be on that roster right now. And those two have come up pretty big so far in the postseason. You just existing on the roster actually proved to be beneficial for the Lakers in the end, right? That's been your best contribution that somehow, some way, there was value in you being on that roster. And they got value in exchange for you. I mean, I wonder, if there's a parade, do Pat, Bev, and Russ want to be on stage for that as well? Do they want to be on the trolley shotgunning beers from the crowd? Do they want replicas of the Larry O to go along with their rings? Russ coming out in a Clipper uniform to get his Laker ring would be the best Laker parade moment since the Mad Dog went Mad Dog. Who let the dogs out? In fact, Westbrook and Pat are right. If the Lakers do win it all, they should get rings. They should. If Pat Bev and Westbrook want rings, done. It's not my money. I don't care. Give them their rings. And by the way, give them Rollies too. Make sure they both get their own custom Rolex. What do I care? In fact, why stop there? Give them whatever they want. Why not retire their jerseys while you're at it? Get Genie Bus on the phone. In fact, let's not wait. 
Raise those things up during game three Saturday. Raise the zero. Raise the 21 jersey to the rafters at halftime. Hey, and by the way, while we're on the topic, can you get these guys some statues as well for Chickering Court? Get the marble out. Memorialize, memorialize a stack of bricks for Russell. Maybe a gigantic fat spoon for Pat. Just a big-ass spoon right next to Kareem's skyhook. Oh, wait, was he the fork? Was he the knife? Get him a whole thing of cutlery. Give him their statues. Give him a bucket of utensils. Give him every utensil. Give him a spoon statue, a fork statue, a knife statue, a spork statue, a butter knife statue, a pocket knife statue, a steak knife, a Swiss Army knife. Give him his own spatula. Do that. An egg beater, a can opener. The entire parking lot should be filled with kitchen utensils turned into statues for Pat Bev. I love it. They should have rings. I told y'all. You did tell us. Well, we're going to be suited and booted. Well, I'm going to be right Laker there. Laker Jim is back. Ring. Laker Jim is in the house because I want to see that. I want to see Wes Brick show up to the parade West in a Brick. Clipper jersey. In fact, I'm going to run out here during the next break and put the car flags back on my rig. These guys are the best. Trolls. Even they can't possibly mean that. I hope they do, but even they can't. Drew in West L.A., quote, I want a piece of that Radio Hall of Fame award signed Wyatt Ferber. Damn, Drew. (laughs) Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com match. Mike Rupp joins us once again. Mike, what's going on? How are you? I'm good. You got me all fired up with the intro music. That brings me back to the Ohio High School uh, State Championship run back in uh, 95. I love that. That is great. My man, that's awesome. All right, so why don't we start here, Rupper? What about the Panthers? They stunned the Bruins in the first round. They've kept right on rolling. They're up on Toronto two games to none. Now, it's not like they came out of nowhere, right? They did win the President's Trophy last year. What do you like about this year's club, and how do they look to you right now? Oh, their resiliency this year, it's incredible. Uh, last year, I and mean, if we date back to last summer, I mean, this team won the President's Trophy best record in the NHL last year and kind of had that meltdown in the playoffs against the Tampa Bay Lightning in round, uh, in round two. And um, they made some big changes, uh, traded away. I mean, really, it was the biggest trade. I think they said uh, you know, ne- never two players that have scored over 100 points got traded for each other since Wayne Gretzky got traded. I think Jimmy Carson was part of that trade. And we remember that one uh, quite some time ago. So it was Matthew Kachuk coming over from the Calgary Flames in exchange for Jonathan Huberdeau. And uh, the, the whole idea was, hey, we got to be harder to play against. we got to be grittier in the playoffs. we got to will our way to some wins. 
And you think like, oh, maybe, I don't know if one guy is going to do that. They struggled half the season, and everybody was wondering what's going on down in South Florida. And then probably January on, they got rolling. They got playing the right way, and it's, it's just funny. Now you're seeing it. They are difficult to play in the playoffs now. They're not as talented probably as last year, but they come at you, and they come at you hard. And they've been a handful, and they've had to play that way because they didn't make the playoffs until game 81 of 82, right? So um, they've kind of been playing – in playoff mode for quite some time, but they're they're a handful right now, and they're showing the whole world why. I think that's a great point. Mike Ruff joining us. So, Mike, then you look at Toronto and the euphoria in Toronto after the Maple Leafs advanced to the second round for the first time in 19 years has literally turned to shock with consecutive losses on their home ice. As you know, playing in Toronto is just a different deal, especially when you the fans and the media just assume that, hey, this thing's wide open now. Boston's gone. We're the ones to beat, and now they're down two games to none. Do you feel like the guys in that room are feeling the weight and the pressure of all those expectations. I think I think after last night, yes, because you have your first two home games in second round. You're down 0-2 now. You're going back to South Florida. You're going down to South Florida, and I think that's where it's at. It's like this team took so long to get past round one. They've had a Stanley Cup contending team the last number of years, but they seem to just fizzle out come playoff time. And this year felt different. Trade deadline, they went out and they. They added a lot of different elements to their game that can make them more difficult to play against. And, um, you know, all the big dogs are getting knocked out in the league. So you're thinking, oh, it's here we go. The Yellow Brick Road is paved right to the Stanley Cup Finals in the East. And, uh, you know, you've got a wild card team now who's, who's kind of taking it to you. So uh, I remember, though, after they knocked out Tampa, which was huge, it was big. And they should celebrate that. I mean, it's a big market, the hockey mecca. But at the same rate, the fans out in Maple Leaf Square were chanting, we want, we want Florida. And I, as soon as they said that, I'm like, oh, hold on, because if I'm on the Florida Panthers, if I'm Paul Maurice, the head coach, that's bulletin board material. And uh, I think that team's got that chip on their shoulder, and they're taking it to the leap. So, yeah, they're going to start feeling that pressure. They, they have to win, clearly, this next game. And uh, otherwise, I mean, this could be a, a quick little fizzle out for them again. We want Florida. Be careful what you wish for. Mike Rupp is joining us. So, Mike, what about after dropping game one at home? The Stars rallied last night to even up their series with the Kraken, who are an amazing story. When we saw Joe Pavelski return from injury, he comes alive with four goals on Tuesday. He got another one last night's win. I mean, beyond lighting the lamp and finding the back of the net, what kind of leadership and intangible does that 38-year-old vet mean to the team and bring to the team? How valuable is he? Oh, he's huge. He's huge. First off, he's a, he's a leader. He's clearly he's, he's been a captain in this league in, in San Jose. So he's got those leadership qualities. But, I mean, at 38 years old, Last year set a career high in points. I think he had 81 points or so, and then this year he had 77 to follow it up. Um, he, he's kind of defined the odds. You're not supposed to be getting better at that age. And, and uh, I saw a stat last night, and this kind of gives a glimpse of his greatness come playoff time, how good he is in the playoffs. Is uh, playoff career leader, uh, like active playoff goal-scoring leaders, is Alex Ovechkin, I think, has – 72 goals. Sidney Crosby has like 71 or something. And, and Joe Pavelski is number three at 69. Huh. Like that, that just shows you the greatness in the playoffs. So um, kind of having him back in there and, and he scores the ugly ones. So the ones that uh, around the net I mean, just kind of manufactures goals. And, and the thing I love about him too, it's like he, he's not a great skater. This game's gotten faster and faster and he still has found his way because he's smart and he knows the areas to go, the holes to hit, deflecting pucks. I mean, he's a scratch golfer. He's great at every... Um, every sport I've ever heard that uh, his name's mentioned, and he's a 
he's just a great all-around athlete, but uh, he's been around a long time. He's still getting it done, and uh, this Dallas Stars team made a big statement last night. They did. Mike Rob joining us. Speaking of the sport getting faster and faster, Vegas takes the opener of their series against Edmonton. Game two is slated for tomorrow night, Mike. While transcendent and an absolute stud, Connor McDavid has not been dominant in the postseason. Of course, everybody on social media is a doctor now and have diagnosed him with a leg injury. (laughs) I mean, listen, everybody's banged up this time of year, but watching McDavid this postseason, what do you see? Well, it's it's playoff time. It's going to be a little bit different. Obviously, you know you got to try to slow the guy down to the best of of your ability, but then You've got the second best player in the world and Leon Dreisaitl on the same team. And he's been unbelievable. And just to go back to Pavelski, who in game one of second round had those four goals and a loss. And then we see the next night, Edmonton, uh, Leon Dreisaitl has four goals and a loss again. I don't know if the last time I've seen a player on the team score four goals and lose. We saw it two, two uh, consecutive nights. But, you know, Connors, um, he'll break out of this and, and, and break out of it uh, might even be kind of a, a – a strong thing to say because he's still been good. He's still been very effective. He's just, he sets the bar so high, but um, you know, I think that that's all that that's part of it. It's playoff hockey and, and it kind of evens the playing field a lot in a lot of different ways. Cause I think it gets to the point where mentally you're drained, physically you're drained. The longer this goes, everyone's hanging on by a thread and you got to will yourself to, to find a way to win. And, and that's why a lot of times you see kind of some not household names, uh, you know, coming up in big moments. So, uh, but uh, their power play is elite. Connor McDavid, as long as they get their touches on their power play, he's going to put the puck in the back of the net, and it's just a matter of time until he breaks out. We are talking to Mike Rupp for a few more moments. Mike, what about the Devils? They look to rebound tonight after losing game one to the Hurricanes after having to grind so hard in that amazing comeback to knock out the Rangers in seven. Jersey had no answers for Carolina, losing 5-1 Wednesday. What do you expect from your former team tonight? So it's hard to get a gauge on, on what they're going to do because they're probably the most inexperienced team in these playoffs as far as man games in playoff hockey. Um, I think in round one, you saw the 5-1, 5-1 games, one and two scores against the Rangers, and you're like, oh, these guys are dead. They're, there's no way they're coming back here. And then they just they, they got it going. They adjusted. And they're a team that when they play fast, um, they, they support each other in close range all over the ice. And uh, they're a real weapon. And so I'm interested to see. I know it's round two. It's going to be a little bit different. Carolina is a different team. But the Devils will find their footing at some point in this series. Can they find it for game two, which would be huge? Or does it take another game like it did in round one? Uh, But Carolina, I mean, Carolina is a team. They're not going to beat themselves. You're going to have to earn it against them. They're not going to turn the puck over. They're very disciplined um, so we'll see how the, uh, the Devils are able to manufacture some offense because uh, that, that's what they thrive on. So much good information. Mike, one last thought. I want to go back to Boston. Like, sadly, almost no great athlete gets to go out on their own terms regardless of sport. If that really was Patrice Bergeron's last game with the Bruins, if it was, even if he was banged up, how do you think he reconciles this unbelievable career he had ending the way it did, even if it's out of his control? Yeah, I mean... If I'm a betting man, I'm saying he's he's not done. Hmm. He's not done. I mean, he's at, he's at a very high level. I mean, he's got a beautiful family. I know that that's a really big and important part of his life, understandably so. And so, I, I you know maybe maybe he's he's done enough. But I, I just this is a this is a guy that is uber competitive. Uh, he might not have the numbers of Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, but he's considered in in the hockey realms as being one of the all-time greats, at least in our generation. And 
um, this year for what that team did and how close they were to doing something special. I mean, they're going to have a great chance again next year. And he's already taken quite a bit less money to be there this year on a one-year deal. I would expect him to do something similar again. And quite frankly, this Bruins team, they're hurting at center ice if he's gone. And David Krejci might be retiring as well as the second-line center. So I think this guy is so prideful. He loves the city of Boston so much. I almost think he'll put that above his own desires and be like, I don't want to leave a big hole with this team. And he'll come back. A little bit of load management. We don't talk about that a lot in hockey. But I think that's what you do with him. You bring him back. You say you're going to play 40 to 60 games of the 82 next year. And we're going to try to run this thing back because we think that uh, we could bounce back from this devastating loss. First of all, I hope you're right. I would hate to see him go out like that. He's such a proud, proud guy and such an amazing player and leader. Last thought, Mike, what about load management and hockey? You're right. We don't talk about it very much in the NHL. It's all we talk about in the NBA. But how much of that do you see in the NHL? And do you think it's a good thing? Do you believe in it? Um, I, I, I don't believe in it. And uh, I'll tell you why. Um, and it's hey, listen, man. I'm not going to knock any other sport. I'm a fan of all sports, but in hockey, I find that it's you. You almost need to. We have such a tight knit group where we legitimately have fisticuffs to stick up for one another, right? Like it's the only the only sport in the world that seems where you can just at any moment just drop the gloves and beat the wheels off someone, right? So you, you stick together, and that that closeness is what what championship teams are made of, and and. I've always felt like when guys are missing, when I've missed a game, when I physically couldn't do it, I felt so guilty that I'm not out there with the guys that guys won't be down with it. You might have management coaches saying, you know, uh, we're going to hold you out. So in that Patrice Bergeron situation, that might be the plan. But Patrice Bergeron might be like, all right, we're going to negotiate that. It could be 40 to 60. I'll play 70 games. I'll get 10 rest days, but we just don't see it because it's just not in our blood. Like we feel like we're letting our opponent or our teammates down and and we want to be out there. That is so interesting. Like it's part of the fabric of that game, the culture of that sport. That is so interesting. He is an analyst for NHL Network. Remember, you can watch Mike on NHL Network's NHL Tonight. It's airing live before and after every Stanley Cup playoff game. And be sure to check out his podcast. That's Hockey Talk. Talk. Mike Rupp, my guest. Mike, really appreciate it. Great to have you back. Thanks so much, Rupper. All right, thanks, Rome. Anytime, man. He's Paul's dog. Paul's dog. Hello, Rim Rome. Can't wait to hear Ralphie's week it was. Should be called the Debolical and Pononoma. Clones, I confess, your calls are such a mess. Where your takes are lame right before you're done. Thought you'd be thrilled, but your dream, it has been killed. No golden ticket your chopper has done lifted. I am the dog of no one. Get racked and not run. No one. Racked and not run. Roar me. Eating my dinner in thirds. First, I hit the kibble. Then, move on to the Alpo. Finally, I finish it up with a quick trip to the kitty's litter box. Mmm, chocolatey. Rum route. All right, so I already know what the reaction is going to be. I just want to say that what he did do in the middle of that, that dog, 
He got off a replacements riff in the middle of that. He did Bastards of the Young. Let's go to Ventura County. Lee. Good to have you, Lee. What's going on? How are you? Jim, amazing show all the time, bro. I, it's a beautiful thing. You know what I'm saying? I, I hear about your kids and all that awesome stuff, and then I have the kids, same as your thing. But anyway, never mind that. Great show. I, I love you, boys. Bottom line, this is what I want to talk about. Laker fans sucks. He sucks. The bottom line is this right here. Hey, buddy, I'm in Oxnard, right? So the bottom line is I don't want to see your tired Laker fans. The, hey, listen, they're going to lose. They're going to lose the series. They're going to lose. Anthony Davis sucks. Uh, it, the, the guy from uh, Minnesota, he was right. Uh, Shaq is, I mean, uh, Shaq. Uh, LeBron James is old. He's old as dirt, and he sucks too. They're tired, and their whole program is whack. Their whole program is whack. And then not only that, not, not only that, bro, not only that, the coaching staff sucks too. Jim, it is what it is. The bottom line is I, I just want to say I'm tired of seeing the Lakers. I'm in Oxnard, bro. Don't bring your raggedy Laker fans uh, flags out, dude. It, it sucks, okay? That's just what it is. Jim, love the show, man. Have a good one. Love you, buddy. Have a good one. My man, we have so much in common, you, you and I, Lee. We both have kids. Brad in Corona. Brad, what's going on? Jimbo, how you doing, my friend? Dude, I'm so good. It is awesome to hear your voice. What's going on with you? What's up? Well, I'm glad I actually got on. Uh, On that note, you should fire Jack Savage immediately, Jim. Worst call screener you've ever had. That includes Jay Stu, who hung up on me the first time I called. He picked up right now. He goes, Jim Rome Show, who's this? I go, it's Brad. He goes, Broad? I go, no, Brad. He goes, okay, okay, yeah. Where are you calling from, Brad? I go, Corona? He goes, yeah, okay, okay. Well, we've got a pretty busy day. A few guys in front of you, but I'll uh, see what I can do to get you on. Thankfully, Tom smacked him upside the head and got on the phone and uh, passed the message along. But anyways... Um, I'm here so for a different matter today, Jim. A month or so ago, you allowed everyone's favorite bald guy, Rick in Buffalo, to come up in here and officially declare at the start of smack-off season. Jim, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Rick isn't really that important to your show. That's like letting Jackson Mahomes declare at the start of the NFL season. Rick and Jackson are pretty similar, by the way, Jim. Jackson likes to play with toys and is currently being accused of sexual battery. And Rick looks like the sexual toy that you put batteries into. True story, Jim. You can unlock Rick and Buffalo's iPhone by holding it in front of Rick's face or anyone's peener. He loves the Goo Goo Dolls, Jim. They have zero good songs. I take that back. They have one good song. It's that Broadway song. And the only reason it's good is because I constantly fantasize about being able to sing it at Broadway Vic and NoCal's funeral. I picture maybe five people total showing up, kind of like the great Gatsby's funeral if Gatsby were poor, unemployed, and addicted to pornography. Anyway, in my mind, Jim, a hush falls over the crowd as I take the mic and sing, Broadway Vic's dead tonight. His snack was weaker than it used to be. Broadway Vic's dead tonight. He was killed by some duty called a libtard on Twitter. I guess it was his time to die. Jim, I am here to officially declare at the start of smack-off season. 
It's smack off season. Hell yes, it is. The goat. We don't do goat talk. Matt in L.A. He can handle following the B.I.C. What's going on, Matt? How are you? He's the pimp in the box. Romy Brome, what is up? Hey, from Manhattan Beach to Munich, from Redondo Beach to Rangoon, from L.A. to Luxembourg, you're welcome. The CBS Sportsnet is in a fever pitch as we're about 90 days away from the biggest and baddest roundup of sports callers in the world, Romy. Congratulations for that. 29 years strong, and we're about to turn this mother out. But uh, that's not why I called, Jim. I called because I caught wind of some dude in Ventura, not even my dude Manny from Oxnard, who's a legend, but some idiot named Lee trying to call out the Lakers and Laker fans. Hey, Lee, check it out, man. I know uh, you being in Ventura, you don't know what the hell a major league franchise is, an NBA franchise, or even an NFL team. So I'm going to make this real easy for you. Shut up, okay? Yeah, Lakers are back. Lakers in six. We're about to run the table here for the rest of the playoffs and take this bitch over. So why don't you just sit back and enjoy the ride, Lee? And speaking of, you calling the GM old is rich. Who the hell has named a kid Lee since, like, 1955? Dude, stay in your lane. That's all I got, Jimmy. Outro. No, 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 no. Is there a Decano who I apply that to? Sacktown or Chowtown? Or both? The Decano. Man, what a terrible way to start the week. On a negative note, I'm not here for that. Why, why, why? How do you blow a three games to one lead? Why? Or a game seven at home? Why? That'll happen. You know Sacramento Kings fan was ready for the biggest party ever. You know they didn't haul all their old cowbells just to see that thing go up in flames. But then again, Steph went Steph. Remember as the Steph Curry game. And, and he burned that entire place right to the ground. The magic of Stephen Curry. Jack Nicholson. Man, did he get I can't handle the fruit. Twitter. Maybe together, Steph and LeBron could complete a full head of hair. That's not making it better, Liz. And this joyride ends... In Hindenburg like had to get that in because that might have been the perfect description for what just happened to the Bruins. About that debolical in Boston. You know what's a debolical? What you did to the word debolical. That debolical in Boston. You mean debacle. Debolical. Bengals took receiver Andre Yoshivas. We've got callers, okay, that can't even say the right word. Receptive, receptive. or whatever. <laughs> Yet Jim knows how to pronounce Yoshivas. Hey, memo to Caleb, when you're still leeching off mom and dad, at their home and living in the basement. You shouldn't be complaining about having to pay taxes like the rest of us. That's whack. Tom Telesco is joining us. Bill Polian gave me a quote-unquote offer, and I looked at it, and I was like, man, you know, I, like, I thought I was more valued than what I was going to be paid there, and it bothered me for a little bit, and then I kind of got over it. Harden, sizing up Harper. It's a three. Goal! 
James Harden throwing it back and putting James Lard in on a milk carton last night. I hope we never, ever find that tub of goo. Why are you laughing, Chuck? Hey, Chuck. One of my favorite people is Jim Rohn. My man, Chuck. Okay. Love you, Chuck. So appreciate that name check. Couldn't have said better myself. My guy, Dan Shaughnessy. What the hell is going on at TD Garden? Yeah, House of Blues, man. I don't know. It's been kind of a good place for the home team. People are just a zombie town around here. Walking out of the garden two nights in a row. Dylan Brooks will not be brought back under any circumstances. <laughs> That's hilarious. Propaganda, the lying that had been going on for weeks and months and a year. You hear that and you think, man, I, I miss out. And saying we have to put an end to the line. And time. Hey, DJ, what do you want to do this weekend? I had an idea. Sweetheart, we should do something that we've never done before to keep it fresh and change up. I'm all ears. What do you want to do, honey? Meth? God damn right. Seen faces of meth. I don't want my face to look like that. I'm begging you, man. No more calls from clones in Orlando. It's a boat transfer trip. Stop that. I don't care what no one thinks. Credit uh, to the Lake Show, and most of all, you know, credit to Anthony Street Clothes Davis. When that guy is doing what he did last night, they're not going to lose. We are joined by Michael Malone. Hey, Jim, always great to be on with you as well, and I gotta be honest, man, you got me fired up. So thanks for having me on. He is Frank Isola. Man, you've been doing this for a million years. You're still living out in Southern California. I'm walking around New York today with winter coda. You got it made, Jeff. Twitter! Get to the annoying Mahomes sibling story. Hey, Bella, you know that I'm not going to get to Jackson Mahomes. I actually feel badly for Patrick. I mean, this guy always does the right thing, and his brother continues to embarrass himself and the family. Brandon Bean. Ultimately, we've got a plan to continue to go for it year after year, and hopefully we can find a way to pull that title home for Buffalo here sooner rather than later. What have the last 24 hours been like for you? Angry. Angry. Pissed. Pissed. Tom looked like he was just informed that the guy who cut his hand off is his father. Impressive. It should be me the deodorant be with you, you stinky (laughs) asses. Anthony, you live in Pneumonia. Upset. You live in pneumonia. You live in pneumonia. Are you into it? I was into the WWE when I was a kid, you know, when, when I was young. And then once I started turning 16, 17 years old, I was more into real fighting. It's still real to be dead. Jeff Marino, hot dog buddy. That's it. The, the guy from uh, Minnesota, he was right. Uh, Shaq is. I mean, uh, Shaq. Uh, LeBron James is, though. Mike Rupp. When I missed a game, when I physically couldn't do it, I felt so guilty that I'm not out there with the guys that guys won't be down with it. Jim, I am here to officially declare at the start of Smack Off season. It's Smack Off season. Cracking, cracking, cracking. You got it, Jim. All the best, buddy. Anytime. Thanks, Jim. Take care. Hey, I hope you're heating up your clam chowder. I'm about to say about Jessica Alba, and I'm just like, oh. Some crack-ass turkey squid. Always, Jim. I appreciate you having me on as well. My best to your family. I'm an online karate instructor. I've got to go. I'm sorry. Can I get a drug test on Dylan Brooks? No, 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 no. I'm on the yard. Shut up. Mm. Chocolatey. Pat Lakers win. I'm on my ring. Thank you, legend. Anytime. Now we're done, yeah? Good night now! Good night now!